Today we celebrate the great feast of Corpus Christi, the veneration of the most precious body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. As I was preparing for this homily, I was trying to think of what, what could I possibly say to express what I love so much in my life and what we all love. How do you explain the Eucharist? And the Eucharist is the source and summit of our faith. It's the most important teaching of our faith. And the most important thing that we do in our faith is coming together to celebrate and receive the Eucharist. Now, you may have heard of a study that was done a few years ago, and it was done by the Pew Research. And Pew Research researches everybody of every faith, denomination, culture, and they, they get to different specifics about their, their way of life and their culture. And one of the questions that they asked when they surveyed people if they were Catholic, they asked them if they believed, if they, if they actually believed in the true body and blood of Christ, that the, the bread and wine actually become the body and blood of Christ. That was one option. Or are they symbols of the body and blood of Christ? So those were the two options that Catholics could answer. Does it really become the body and blood of Christ or is it a symbol of the body of Christ? And I want you to think about that for yourself. Which, which way would you answer? How would you answer that? Well, 69% of Catholics actually answered that it was a symbol of the body and blood of Christ and not the true body and blood of Christ. And so the church for the last couple of years has been kind of grappling with this. The, the most important thing about our faith is kind of being missed by 70% of Catholics that are, are surveyed. So there's a great prob problem that exists there. And that's why a couple of years ago the bishops got together and they decided that we would make this year all about the Eucharist, that this is the Eucharistic revival. This year begins with this feast of, of Corpus Christi. So in this homily, I was pondering, knowing that 70% may not believe in the real presence. I'd like to just do a little bit of teaching on what the real presence is, because I wonder if the survey, the way that it was worded, was a little bit confusing for people. And so what does it mean to be a sign? Bread and wine for us are a sign. So before the gifts are even brought up in the back of the church right now are bread and wine, and those are signs to us. They, they point to a, a deeper reality of, of what's going to happen with the Eucharist. But at the, at the heart of our Eucharistic celebration, when the bread and wine are brought forth and the priest extends his hands over the Eucharist, he says the same words that Jesus said. He took the bread, he took the chalice, and by the words of, of the, the priests that are spoken through Christ, they become the bread, the, the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, so much so that they are no longer bread and wine. They are his real presence in the body and blood. Well, how can this be possible, right? Because we look at it, and it still looks like bread and wine to us. Well, this was a difficult saying, so much so that when Jesus was teaching his disciples about his real presence in the body and blood and that they should receive him and eat his flesh and blood, they said to him, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? And at that point, many of his disciples walked away. Coincidentally, that verse is John 6, 
verses 66. Many of his disciples walked away. And so Jesus asked the questions to his disciples that stay. He says to them, will you also go away? And he could ask that question to each of us today. Will you also go away from me? Then the priest says the words of Jesus. Do this in remembrance of me. When these words are spoken... The, the word this is very important. Jesus was commissioning his disciples to do what he had done. So when he consecrated the very first time and changed the, the bread and wine into his very body and blood and gave them his body and blood, soul and divinity to receive, he then commissioned his disciples to do the same. He said, do this in memory of me. Do exactly what I have done so that I can continue to be with you always. The disciples always gathered on Sunday, which was the day of the resurrection. And so that's why still to this day we gather on Sunday. We come together in this one place, this church, as the disciples did every Sunday. They gathered together. And the point of the Mass when the priest holds his hands over the bread and wine. It's called the epiclesis. That's a Greek word which means invoking God. So he holds his hands. I'll hold my hands over the bread and wine, and I will invoke God to send his Holy Spirit on the bread and wine, so that by this power, they become the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, so that we who partake in the Eucharist may also become one with him, the very body and blood of Christ. So how is Christ present right here in the sacrament. What does the real presence mean? And what's the real presence? How is that different than a symbol or a sign? Jesus himself, before he died, wanted a way for him to be always with his people. And he intercedes for us. He is present to the church in many ways. So we hear him in the word of God. He's present in the sacraments. He's present in couples that are married. He's present where two or three are gathered together in his name. He's present with the poor and the sick and the broken. But he is present most especially here at the Eucharist. And this Eucharist is higher than any other presence. The, the Catechism says the perfection of the spiritual life and the end to which all the sacraments tend. It is the most blessed sacrament of the Eucharist, the body and blood, together with the soul and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ, and therefore the whole of Christ is really, truly, and substantially contained right here at the altar. And this is what we mean by real presence. Body, blood, soul, and divinity are present in the Eucharist. It's by this conversion that bread and wine into Christ's body become the body and blood of Christ. St. John Chrysostom said, it is not man that causes these things to be offered to become the body and blood of Christ, but Jesus, who is crucified. Christ himself, the priest, is in the role of Christ, pronounces these words, and by power and grace, which are God's, this is my body, he says. The word transforms these offerings. St. Ambrose says, be convinced that this is not what nature has formed, 
But what the blessing is consecrated, the power of the blessing prevails over that of nature because by blessing, nature itself is changed. Could not Christ's word, by which he made something out of nothing, change existing things into what they were not before? It is no less a feat to give things their original nature than to change their nature. So as God spoke and brought all creation out of nothing, he can just as well speak and, and transform. <coughs> all right, now I'm getting to the heart of this. Because Christ our Redeemer said that his body and blood was for an offering for us under this, it has always been the conviction of our church and now declares by the council that the consecration of bread and wine there takes place and changes the whole substance of the bread into the substance of the body of our Lord Jesus Christ and the whole substance of the wine into his blood. This change the Holy Church has fittingly properly called transubstantiation. Anybody know that word? Remember that word from way back when? Transubstantiation. If you just think of what that means, trans, transform, and substantiation, to transform the substance. So the, the substance of the bread and wine are transformed into the body and blood of Christ. Christ is present whole and entire in each of these species and whole and entire in each of their parts in such a way that when the host is broken, Christ is not divided, he's present. He's present in every host that you receive. He's present in the precious blood. It is highly fitting that Christ should have wanted to remain with his church. So before he suffered and died, he gave us this way of himself to remain with his church. And this would be the memorial of his love, the memorial of his hope. The church and the world have a great need for the Eucharist. Jesus awaits us in this sacrament of love. Let us not refuse the time to go to meet him in adoration, contemplation, full of faith, to make amends for the serious offenses and crimes of the world. Let our adoration never cease. I just invite you, if you are doubting the real presence, and it's a struggle probably for some of us, spend some time in our adoration chapel. Just spend some time being with him, and he will reveal himself to you, and you'll come to know him. St. Thomas Aquinas said that in this sacrament are the true body and blood of Christ, and it's something that cannot be comprehended by the senses. So we should know, first of all, our senses are, are, are not going to see this. And he says, but only by faith, which relies on divine authority. And for this reason, this is my body, which is given up for you. This is my blood. St. Cyril says, do not doubt whether this is true, but rather receive the words of the Savior in faith. For since he is truth, he cannot lie. What if we just accepted that because Jesus said this and because he is truth, he cannot lie. It is, it is what he says it is. So the Lord invites all of us, truly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the man and drink of his blood, you have no life within him. We hear this in the gospel today. Unless we eat his flesh and drink his blood, we have no life within us. 
And St. Paul urges us to examine our conscience still. He says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of our Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of our Lord. Let a man examine himself. So to eat the bread and drink the cup, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself. Anyone conscious of grave sin must receive the sacrament of reconciliation before coming to communion. I just read this part because I think it's important for us to know as well. We do come as sinners, and in and, and the Eucharist, all of our, um, all of our uh, venial sins are forgiven. But the same survey showed that uh, very few Catholics actually go to confession regularly. And so that can also be a way of healing us if we're not believing in our Lord. But we do say at the beginning or th- during the Mass, Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter into my roof, but only say the word and your servant shall be healed. So if we don't have any grave sin, that's the time where we ask him to forgive us of our sins. So what happens to us when we receive Holy Communion? What happens when we really believe that this is the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ? The Catechism says that Holy Communion augments our union with Christ. It's like we become one. We're augmented with him in this intimate union of Jesus Christ. Holy Communion also separates us from sin and helps us to overcome sin in our lives. So it's a strengthening for us for for eternal life. Now, what if you're not Catholic? This is a difficult one because the Eucharist is for those who are fully in union with the church, and yet we want all people to come to receive. And sometimes we can't understand, why can't I receive? So maybe you're here in the church and you find yourself not Catholic. We want you to receive. Jesus wants to feed you with his body and blood. But there's a process of initiation where we learn about the faith and really come to believe in the true presence. And at the end of that process is when you become fully initiated and receive the body and blood of our Lord. So we do desire you to receive. But there's a process for that. And that process is called the rite of Christian initiation. So if you're not Catholic and you do want to receive, please talk to me and and we will help you along that way. Finally, this Eucharist incorporates us into the church, and it fulfills the call. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it, in our par- is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? We, therefore, who are one bread and are many, become one body. Jesus wants us to be one. And so on this great feast day of where we celebrate the the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, Corpus Christi, let us ask for an increase of faith to the Eucharist. Really ask him that you can experience him in a personal way as we celebrate this Mass. And finally, I just want to end with a hymn that was written by St. Thomas Aquinas for the celebration of Corpus Christi. I'm just going to read you two verses of this, but it talks about really believing and trusting what God is doing for us. Godhead here in hiding, whom I do adore, masked by these bare shadows, shape, and nothing more. See, Lord, at thy service, low lies here a heart, lost, all lost in wonder, at the God thou art. Seeing, touching, tasting, 
are in thee deceived. How says trusty hearing, that shall be believed. What God's Son has told me, take for truth I do. Truth himself speaks truly, and there's nothing, or there's nothing true. Let us celebrate this great mystery that he reveals to us, the truth of the very real presence of his body and blood of Christ.